Hey friends, it's so good to hear you greeting each other. Thanks for being so kind. Uh, I am Justin, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad to see you today. It's been awesome to have my friend Sam leading worship with us uh, this week. We did a songs and stories thing yesterday here at the, here at the church. I just got my, my t-shirt, which he's got shirts out there if you want to uh, get those. There was some discussion about whether I should get a black shirt or a yellow one, because I wear black a lot. And, um, you know, even though I held this up by my face and Gay went, mm, I decided that uh, I normally, you know, I wear like black shirts a lot, so it will be like an under the black shirt. It's going to be okay, friends. All right? Okay. So, but there are black shirts and, and the yellow ones, so, um, and they're great. So good to have you with us, Sam. Um, we are in a Miracles of Jesus series, and I have loved it this summer. And we're looking into these stories because, like John 30, 21 says, they're written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Okay? So this week, I continue our series by talking about one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Today's miracle is a healing miracle that Jesus does. I love this miracle itself, but I also love all the things that are happening around the miracle. I think it's beautiful. And this passage is found in the Gospel of Mark. It's in chapter 10. In it, a blind man named Bartimaeus comes into contact with Jesus. And Bartimaeus is healed so he can see. And we're going to read it right now. Mark 10, 46 through 52. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, my rabbi, which means teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I love that the outcome of this is that this man follows Jesus down the road. He's got a new life. Sometimes we miss that. At least I don't necessarily focus on that all the time. I love the outcome of this story. What did you notice about the story? What I'm going to do is I'm going to read it again, the entire thing, again. And I want you to particularly think about what sticks out to you. Pay attention to what you notice. Ready? Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. 
And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, today I'm going to tell you three aspects of this story, three takeaways that inspire my heart. But first, I'm going to mention something about this that I think is the most obvious thing, jumps, at least the thing that is most obvious that jumps out to me in this passage. Jesus can heal. Jesus has power and authority to heal. And we read in the Bible and have experienced here that Jesus commissioned his disciples to go out in his name and in the power of the Holy Spirit to heal people in his power as well. And Jesus, many times through his people, still heals today. It's important to know that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the dead today, and that he can heal today, and that he wants to partner with us to see people being healed. It's especially important if you came with a need for healing of any sort, and you would want our prayer team to pray for you today at the end of the service. It's important to know all these things. Otherwise, it is completely useless, is it not? It's just kind of playing church, and that's not what we're about here. Now, you may have some questions about how healing works or why we don't see healing sometimes when we pray. Those are great questions. I've had them as well. Here at RHV, we're committed to helping you understand and embrace the tensions that come with praying. It's not a slam dunk all the time, is it, friends? Any of you who pray a lot, slam dunk all the time? Not for me either. But we've recently had a miracle work class about healing prayer, and then we've also um, been offering School of Kingdom ministry here repeatedly, and that thing, if you were going to give a number of months to that in your life, is the best way to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit start working through you in an increased way in your life. You could write down in your connection card that I am interested in School of Kingdom ministry this year because we're getting close to when applications need to be in. We'd love to talk to you about that. Someone would reach out to you. So you could write down SOKM if you want. Uh, I'm interested, and somebody would reach out to you. These are ways that you could actually see this stuff change in your life, and you could see the, the power of God moving through you in some increased ways. So the short answer here, though, is that we don't always see healing, but we do see healing here as we pray. I pay attention to the connection cards, the God stories. I see on our Google group, that's the email group, people asking for prayer and miraculous things happening. Jesus is still doing it today. In a way, we're just doing what Bartimaeus did, aren't we? When we're asking for prayer, we're saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. And whether you get healing or not that's instant or whether it's delayed, sometimes we pray, we got to pray a bunch of times, or sometimes it just happens later, or whether your healing is only going to be full after you are raised with Christ to eternal life. Healing is guaranteed. Your healing is guaranteed. Now or later, for everyone who believes in Jesus, Jesus can heal. Jesus will heal. Now or later, Jesus' answer to you when you come into faith in Christ is, yes, I have mercy on you. Jesus heals. So let's move on to the three highlights that I want us to look at today. And you might have noticed some of these things as we went through that passage. It'd be interesting to see. Here's the first. Faith matters. Whose faith healed Bartimaeus, according to Jesus in this passage? Did anyone notice that? Bartimaeus' faith 
How's that hit you today? Now, here at RHV, we believe that we are living in a world that isn't yet the way it will be when Jesus returns and everything is healed, right? So these days, we encounter resistance for different reasons, don't we? So we believe in praying and praying and praying more to partner with God to see the kingdom of God break through with goodness and healing. But we don't believe that not being healed always means that you did something wrong or if I'm praying for you that I did something wrong, okay? What is not a good takeaway when we're praying and we don't see something happen? A not good takeaway is shame on somebody. That is not the kingdom of God. Is Jesus a God of shame? No, okay? So I'm just gonna encourage you, if you've ever prayed, whatever the mystery of this thing is, the takeaway is not shame on you. And the, and the takeaway is not shame on the person who is praying for you. Although, it does say that faith has something to do with this. It's pretty mystical. I think that the faith Bartimaeus had was simply believing that good things would happen if he could just get near Jesus and interact with him. That's faith, right? He believed that if I could bring my issue to Jesus, something good will happen to me. Hebrews 11, 1, 2 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And at this point, Bartimaeus is one of the ancients probably to us. This is a couple thousand years ago, right? Bartimaeus hoped that Jesus uh, would do something great if he could get in touch with him, if he could just get his attention. So I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever had people shut you down or shame you when you speak up? Most of us, right? Do you happen to be one of the good Minnesotans who has come to believe that calling attention to yourself is sinful and wrong? Am I talking to the right room? What if Bartimaeus had shut up? What if people said, shut up, you're not worth it. Jesus doesn't care about you. Do we have this story? No. Let anyone who has ears to hear that today take that into your heart and see whether Jesus is talking to you today, okay? Don't shut up, friends. Bartimaeus physically could not see, but he hoped that Jesus could do something good that he hadn't seen yet. So he saw his hopes realized in not only a figurative way, but in a literal way, right? He can actually physically see after coming into contact with Jesus, but he's also seeing an entirely new life for himself. He gets to go and follow Jesus for the rest of his life. So I can't guarantee you what's going to happen or not happen anytime that you bring whatever you need to Jesus. But I can guarantee this. When we come to Jesus, we see things happen that we have not seen before. We see things happen that cannot and will not happen if we don't come to Jesus and get in contact with Jesus. That I can guarantee you. Personally, I have seen lots of people healed. Sometimes as I have prayed, I have seen miraculous things happen 
through me. You might have had some similar experiences. That said, I also have a left eye, some of you might not know this, that is very, very poor in comparison to my right eye, okay? Um, and I've had prayer for that over and over and over and over again, and that is still the case for me today. So whether we know the timing or the particulars or not, it's good to know that our faith matters even if it's small. I'm going to be fine. My, my whatever sight God has for me is going to be full one day. I just keep on asking that it's going to be sooner. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be ashamed about that, okay? Even if your faith is small and you just say, all I'm going to do is get close enough to Jesus and ask for prayer, I think that's enough. I think that what you do matters. Your voice matters to Jesus. Second takeaway that maybe you caught. Jesus has experienced real life. What's going on in this passage? Jesus is traveling with his disciples. He's, you know, he's going on a trip. And he's also in different parts of scripture called these disciples, his family, and his friends. Okay? Do you think that Jesus knows what it's like to do life with real people who don't get it? People like your family and friends. People like you. People like me. Now, in this, in this passage, Jesus is walking along with all kinds of possible distractions. There are so many people that are clamoring for Jesus' attention. If you look at it in Scripture, it's happening all the time. Everybody's got a plan for what they want Jesus to do or a question they want him to answer or a thing that they want to try to trap him with. He's dealing with all kinds of stuff. Lots of expectations. He meets some, and he doesn't care to meet some others. Do you think he understands how loud and busy our lives can be? I think he does very well. Jesus experienced people in great, great, great need, like Bartimaeus. He's also experienced people who police everyone else. Did you notice that in the passage? People who manage what they think everybody needs. Don't look at the person in your life who does that right this moment, please. <laughs> He's dealt with people who think that they know what everyone deserves or does not deserve. Do we have a problem with that in our own lives sometimes or in our world, right? We have a world where everyone's looking at each other and honestly is going, this person deserves this good thing or this bad thing, and this person doesn't deserve this good thing or this bad thing. That's what's happening all over the place. Jesus has been around people who are fickle. Did you notice how the people in one second are shutting down Bartimaeus? They're like, shut up, dude. You are not important. And this is not appropriate. And then Jesus says, bring him to me. They're like, hey, oh, dude, get up. He wants you. He wants over here. Right? Is that not how... People are. People are ridiculous. <laughs> I saw a meme this last week that said, Jesus died for all of us, but I wouldn't have died for any of y'all. <laughs> it's funny, but it's very true. Be reminded and encouraged of the words of Scripture today. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus came to die for us, okay? This is what's different about Jesus. A lot of us wouldn't die 
for even a good person. Although, Scripture also says right before that, some people might die for somebody who's really awesome. Right? That's about where we max out. Jesus died for every single one of us, including you, before you did anything. While you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. And so here's the last highlight that I want uh, for today. Jesus cares about what we want. It seems pretty obvious to us in the story what Bartimaeus probably needs, right? Jesus does not assume. I think it's because Jesus wants actual relationship. You know, Jesus does not apparently like always walk around just like smacking people and healing things, even though he probably knows what people need. And maybe the power of God would actually just be doing that anyway, right? There are parts in scripture where like anyone who touches him gets healed, right? Is that sufficient for Jesus? Wouldn't, wouldn't the most effective thing to do if, you, if all you wanted was healing would be to just like run through the people and let them all touch you? Jesus wants actual relationship. What do you want me to do for you? For much of my life, I was really anxious about figuring out and trying to be perfect uh, in doing what Jesus wanted me to do. And it never occurred to me that Jesus might really deeply care about some of my deepest desires. Years ago, when uh, our lead pastor, Pete Benedict, became my supervisor for the first time, um, he was so good at helping me to experience more of Jesus' heart towards me in this particular area. I was really conscious of trying to do my job duties well, whether those were my actual job duties or the ones that were in here. Do you ever have duties that are only in here? <laughs> right? And so, um, one of our meetings, Pete asked me, uh, he asked me, what would I like to do? He's like, what would you like to do in your job? And I honestly had no answer at all. If I had said things out loud at that point, I'd probably have said, well, I want to do what God wants me to do or what God makes me do. And so much of the time, I'm not exactly clear on that. And so I think what I'm doing is defaulting to what I think people want me to do. Pete said that we could spend a year and I could be focusing on what I want to do in my job. What I found was that very often, and more than I thought, my deepest desires and what I actually wanted to do were pretty closely linked to how I'm built and the ways that I am built to serve people. It actually made my job better for me, and I think it made the way I was doing my job better for everybody around me. In the Bible, Jesus often asked people what they wanted. Jesus was able to handle people telling him what they wanted. And so your desires, and I'll even, I'll even say your sideways desires, do you have at least one sideways desire in your life? Is this the right group of people? I think even your sideways desires are deeply rooted in what God has for you. Okay? I think sometimes what we're doing is we're just taking a detour before we get to the deepest desire. That's kind of how addiction and those things works, right? Right? It's like I have a deep desire, and a lot of times we're trying to, like, avoid it, either trying to not have the desire, or we go, 
Well, I'm going to try to fix it this other way before really getting deep underneath it and saying, this is my deepest desire. So you might want to think about what your sideways thing is. I bet you if you asked God, what's underneath that? What do I really want? You might actually hear Jesus saying, what do you really want? Right? Some of you know that I have been trained and certified in a ministry called uh, Spiritual Direction. I've been doing that for about 10 years now. And normal spiritual direction is done in one-on-one sessions. And it's basically just uh, sitting with somebody and looking to see where God is already active in a person's life. Okay? So my main job as a spiritual director is to be a spiritual friend who's trained to ask good questions and to notice things about people. Okay, It's very different than being a pastor day-to-day, which is also great. But in pastoring, normally, if somebody's like, Justin, I have a question for you, it's normally like a question about a problem or an issue. And people want either me to pray or they want some advice. And that's great. That's pastoring. Spiritual direction is a different thing. Spiritual direction is set up so that a person can have an interaction with Jesus directly themselves. And I'm just there to help. Okay, I love both of those things. Sometimes I get to create a thing called a contemplative exercise or use somebody else's. And these things are like taking parts of what spiritual direction is and then trying to kind of mold it together to have it be something that would be helpful to a group of people. Do you know where we're going with this? We're going to do one of these together. It's going to be different than a regular Sunday for the last few minutes that we have here. Okay? We're going to do what's called a contemplative exercise. It's just designed to make a quiet space for a group of people like us to connect with Jesus. And you might hear something directly from Jesus in this. That's my hope. I'm going to have uh, my friend Sam come up. He's going to play a little bit of guitar in the background. You could call this exercise a spiritual GPS. It's designed to help you get in touch with where you're at today. Okay? So um, each of us will be in different places, and that's great. It's pretty open-ended. And so I'm just going to give us some cues to kind of like get us in a, in a, hopefully a place to hear something from God. First thing to do is relax. Whatever that is for you. You could take a few deep breaths. You could close your eyes if that helps you concentrate. We're just trying to turn our attention towards God. God, help us be aware of your loving presence right now. Jesus, we invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. As you breathe, we can maybe think, God, you welcome me. And God, I welcome you. God, you welcome me. And God, I welcome you. I just want to remind your friends that Jesus loves you, came for you, he died for you before you did anything. And Jesus is already and always active in your life, whether you know it or not. Jesus is up to good things in your life right now, even though we're not doing anything at all other than just being present. God's at work in your life right now, friends. And God knows exactly how you're made. I really have a belief that God knows how to communicate with you. And 
is just the journey to figure out how God's voice sounds to you. And Jesus wants to communicate with you. You might hear something even in these next few minutes. He desires a real relationship with you. I'm going to ask you three questions. And after each of those questions, I'm going to give you about a minute. So just know it'll be a question and about a minute for you to think about it. We'll do that three times, okay? As I ask the question, I'm going to encourage you to avoid self-editing. A lot of times we have a thought and we say, I have to fix that thought before I think it more. You won't have to share whatever your experience or your thoughts are with anybody else. So just be free to let them be what they are. And I'm going to encourage you to answer the questions out of how things are, not how things should be, could be, would be, or even will be tomorrow or next year. Be who you are right now because that's who Jesus wants to be with. God, thank you for the gift of this time. We offer it back to you, and we ask you to fill it. So, friends, I want you to think about the last few weeks. In your mind's eye, be aware of God's presence with you and look back over the last few weeks. What have been the most prevalent things on your mind? What have you been thinking about most? I'll give you about a minute. Give us the grace to be aware of our own thoughts. Here's our second question. Over that same time frame, the last few weeks, what have been your strongest and most noticeable emotions? You've been feeling happy? Have you been angry? Really frustrated at something? God, would you give us the grace to be aware of our emotions? seconds. And 
here's our third question. It's the last one. How's your body felt lately? That could be a physical or, you know, like a mental state. Have you been feeling uh, awake and alert? Have you been feeling really tired? Is there a speed bump that you're hitting with your body? Maybe there's a pain somewhere. It's good to just pay attention to those things. God, would you give us the grace to be aware of our own body, our own selves? So asking God, is there anything that you'd like to speak to somebody about this? And uh, I felt like maybe somebody's got a like a wrist problem. Uh, and if that's you at the end of the service, it'd be great if you came forward and got prayer for that. I think that God would like to meet you in that. I had a sense also that maybe somebody's got like a, a hip problem. we're in this place of being aware of where we are and have been I'm going to ask you to picture something okay in reading the scripture passage we were looking into the story and I think that what Jesus would like to do right now would be stepping out of the story and coming to you picture Jesus coming to you right now where you are I don't think these things are actually make-believe. I think that that's Jesus' heart for you. But Jesus actually wants to be present to you right now. And hear Jesus coming to you and saying, what would you like me to do for you? picturing Jesus being near to you in some way, even take a moment to notice what his face might look like. What does Jesus' face look like to you? Is it more kind than maybe you'd expect? Is Jesus saying something to you? You picture Jesus doing something right now? Jesus, we, we thank you that you desire to be present to us. And then the end point of this, I think the whole point is, is there a sense of a response that you'd like to make to Jesus right now? Is Jesus inviting you to do something? Is Jesus giving you some advice? Is Jesus offering to help you in some way? Jesus, give us the grace to be aware of what you're inviting us to do. Help us to respond to you. Lord Jesus, you're the one who comes to us. Thank you for being a healer, Jesus. 
thank you that you invite us into faith and that in some mysterious, mystical way, our faith matters and matters to you. Thank you for living a real human life so that you understand what it's like to be us. Thank you for caring and asking what we want. By your Holy Spirit, give us the grace to tell you our real and deep, 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 deepest desires. And then give us the ears to hear you, to listen to what you have to say to us. And then give us the courage and the strength that we need to trust you and to respond to you. God, I want what you have for every single one of my friends. Just like Bartimaeus, Jesus, we want to be with you. We want to be able to follow you down the road. And friends, I think that Jesus is inviting you to take your next step following Jesus down the road today. It's the end goal. That's what he wants. So I encourage you to just take and like note whether Jesus said something to you during this time. And it's okay if, if, there, if that didn't seem like that was your, you know, your jam or your favorite thing. But Jesus, I ask that any work that you're doing in us, that we'd remember what we're supposed to remember and that you would grow the relationship uh, that you want to have with us. And it's in a heart of just continuing in worship that we're going to transition right now. I'm going to invite you to stand as you're able. And I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come on back up. We're going to have an opportunity to sing to God together, to come to God in worship. Um, we're also going to have an opportunity to receive prayer. This is a great day to receive prayer. So prayer team people who are trained to do that here, would you be willing to come forward and make yourself available for that? Um, these people would be praying for, um, you know, any sort of physical thing that you need. Um, if you'd like to ask for something like that, or maybe you just want to be able to say, uh, I feel like God's inviting me to do something, but I haven't been able to do it. That's been my experience. I don't normally just hear from God and then say, I'm going to try harder and work harder and do it. Normally, that's the place where I need to say, God, can you help me? Holy Spirit, can you help me? Can you um, give me what I need in order to say yes to you and to go with you, right? Bartimaeus can't follow Jesus unless he can see, right? So um, that's the way that this works. Uh, Jesus needs to give us uh, what we need in order to follow him. And I think that he's committed to it. So um, you can come forward and get prayer for anything uh, during this time. I feel like the Lord's going to be present to us and do some good things. Uh, we're also going to have a chance for communion. And, uh, you know, the worship team will tell us when it's time to go. But I'm going to leave you with three tips that you can take into your day-to-day -day life. I'm going to invite you to read Mark 10, 46 through 52. We already read it twice today. If you read it again, you might notice something completely different about that story. That's the beautiful thing about Scripture. So sometime this week, read Mark 10, 46 through 52. And then the pray, the tip two would be, hear Jesus lovingly ask you, what do you want? And then make some space for some interaction with him, okay? Uh, your third tip would be do consider what your response to God's loving questions might be, okay? I think that this is a good way to think about your day ahead, your week ahead, and your life ahead. And so, um, Jesus, I just ask that you would bless my friends to receive every good thing that you have for them. 
Thank you that you're the one who comes to us, that you're the one who builds the relationship, that you've made the way for us. It's good news. You're the good news. Uh, and uh, allow us to just give our hearts to you and respond to you in the ways uh, that you would have for us. Bless your friends, Jesus. Uh, bless your friends. And Jesus, I just ask that we would be able to um, really just offer ourselves to you in whatever way uh, you're inviting us. God has good things for you, friends. Let's worship. More than this.